0: Rebecca Moran, would you come up, please? Now, I do want to say something, just for anyone who's not familiar with our houses. We truly believe there is no glass ceiling when it comes to women teaching, preaching, sharing Jesus. None at all. And uh, Rebecca is obviously, like many ladies in here, quite qualified to teach and to share And I so appreciate her heart. But with that, we would love to pray for her. So could I have the elders come up here for a moment? Uh, Teresa, Greg, Linda's coming. Come on up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we just ask the sweet anointing to fall
1: on Rebecca right now. Father, as she shares your word, Lord, and that our hearts would be ready to um, receive it, Lord, Mm -hmm. and that you would um, take us
2: forward from this word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: You know, I I just want to preface something here real quick before she shares. Um, Rebecca has been involved in deliverance ministry for a while. It's her wheelhouse. It's where she has a deep deep passion and she's just given her heart to follow Jesus into this uh, the world of deliverance and uh, the fruit of it has been amazing you know there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes you don't see here but a lot of people come and uh, on days during the week and are prayed for and delivered and set free and it's amazing to see the fruit that has come out of this young lady's ministry so give her your heart and uh, your ear, and uh, let's just leave here changed more into the image of Jesus. Amen.
1: Thank you. Okay, so who has seen this movie? I have a show of hands. I'm just curious. Okay, a lot of you. Okay. So for those who haven't seen the movie, it's about a real person named William Wallace. And he was a Scottish man that decided he was going to take on tyranny uh, from the King of England. And he takes this ratty, unqualified uh, group of men to fight against this huge army. And they're standing, you know, facing off and His side is just doubting that um, they can do this. But he gives a speech to inspire them, and I'm just going to read part of it. He says, I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You have come to fight as free men, and free men you are. What would you do with that freedom? Will you fight? Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live, at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom? And, you know, he's running back and forth on his black steed, and it's just, like, super inspiring. Um, So... I'm obviously talking about freedom today, but it's a different kind of freedom. It's a spiritual freedom. And so I I just hope that I can inspire you to fight for your freedom or the freedom of your friends and your family. So freedom can be defined as to be released from bondage, to be liberated or unshackled. And we've all heard the phrase, I mean, Max just said it, freedom isn't free, and it tends to be in the context of our freedoms in America because of those who have fought for those freedoms. But the same is true in Christianity. Matthew 16:24 through 25 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So denying yourself, taking up your cross, losing your life, it sounds to me like there is a price to pay to follow Jesus. And the price someone is willing to pay for an item determines its worth. So Jesus paid an enormous price for our freedom on the cross. He saw each one of us in our sin and he still chose to pay our debt. There's a story about a Japanese soldier that I find very interesting. It was the end of World War II, Japan had surrendered, but there were several Japanese soldiers in the Philippines that would not surrender. They were notified several times the war's over, come home, uh, be with your family. Um, They had letters from family that were written and dropped from airplanes. They just thought it was all propaganda. They didn't believe it. So 29 years after the war ended, the last man standing was Hiro Onoda. He said he would only surrender if he was ordered to. So his former commander traveled all the way from Japan to formally relieve him from duty by order of the emperor in 1974. He's handing over his weapon there. When we're born again, we absolutely have victory in Christ, but there's going to be areas in our lives that the enemy is going to fight to keep control over. When you commit your life to Christ, your spirit is born again. You are a new creation, but your soul may be full of old habits. It could be addictions. Anger, lust, bitterness, pride, unforgiveness. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in, and he convicts us of those things. We start to clean house, but it's up to us what we're throwing out. John sixteen eight says, And when he, talking of the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So for many years, I called myself a Christian. I thought that going to church, check, uh, reading my Bible, check, um, that was my ticket to heaven. But I lived like the world lived. There was no fruit in my life, no evidence that I was actually a follower of Christ. So at 20 years old, I found myself divorced, depressed, very lost, Sat alone in my house crying out to God. I was so desperate to feel his love and his comfort because that was, that's what I heard he was. He was our comforter. But I felt nothing. The next day was Sunday, and my mom called me. She's like, hey, we're going to church. It was the last thing I wanted to do. I was in a really bad mood. (laughs) I was irritated that God didn't rescue me from my mess. He didn't take away the pain that I caused myself. (sighs) So, during worship... The pastor told everyone, lift their hands and praise God. It was the last thing I wanted to do, but I did the half-lift, you know, the (laughs) half-lift. All of a sudden, my hands were pulled into the air, and they started waving around. I was in absolute shock. I had no idea what was happening to me. Worship was over. The pastor started his sermon. And then he stopped, got off the stage, walked down to where I was sitting. He said, God will never leave you or forsake you. This guy didn't know me. He didn't know what was going on in my life, but God did. At that moment, I was wrecked. That encounter changed my life forever. I realized that God was there for me. He wanted a relationship with me, and I had to follow him. I did find out, though, soon after, that turning from my sin would be a difficult and painful journey, and that's when my spiritual battle began. Maybe you're experiencing a spiritual battle. Maybe you feel oppressed, a heaviness, depression. Maybe you feel like there's a wall between you and God. It could be that you can't get victory in an area of your life. Something that has crept into the church is pornography, pornography. 77% of Christian men say they look at pornography once a month. 36% view it daily. And this is not just a guy problem. The shame that comes with a pornography addiction keeps people in bondage. And there are many ways to get help. You do not have to fight this alone. There's some really good websites out there that, that can help you. But confession is a great first step to breaking that addiction. The enemy is working overtime to get our kids. Teen Vogue now has articles on witchcraft. This is a magazine geared towards 12- to 17-year-olds. They have articles from actual witches teaching teens how to cast spells with their own blood and how to use tarot cards. And I'm telling you this because there's a, a, a war out there. Disney came out with a cartoon called The Owl House, The main character is a bisexual teen who's practicing to become a witch. She has a pet that she calls the King of Demons. He's not hiding anymore. It's out there. Thankfully, the series was canceled, but I'm just wondering how many people that went through, and they're all like, yeah, good idea, right? Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you were to enlist in the army, you would be given weapons and taught how to use them. God also gives us weapons to fight our battles. Ephesians 6.13 says, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So we have truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, God's word, and prayer. We have a lot of weapons. So how do you begin to walk in freedom? Well, the first step is you need to be born again. Again, that's not checking the boxes. It's its more than coming forward and giving your life to the Lord and leaving. It's a change. You are a new creation when you fully give your life to the Lord and you live in obedience to him, there's a radical change. You should look completely different to your friends, to your family. John 3.3 3 says, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So everyone at some point in their life will ask, why was I created, what's my purpose? And little kids ask this question, so I believe that God just puts that into our soul, into our mind, that he wants us to find that purpose. Well, have you ever told God that, I don't want to live for myself anymore, I want to live for you? My life is yours? It's a commitment that I would challenge you to make, but only if you're ready to do whatever he asks. Total obedience. I did that a few years ago, and my life has never been the same. And God tested me. And he began asking me to do things that I had no desire to do, that were very painful. I gave him all the reasons why I wasn't qualified. Um, I said, this isn't me. I don't do these things. (laughs) And I can see God laughing and (laughs) saying, yeah, but I'm calling you to do what I created you to do. When you live for yourself, you crave what your flesh desires. But when you put God first in your life, he gives you new desires. I had no desire to do these things God was asking me. I went kicking, and screaming. But once I stepped out in obedience and did it, he gave me that desire. He put those desires in my heart. He put a fire in my bones that I can't put out. And I'm telling you, when you find that purpose, what you were created to do, nothing can stop it. Not even your doubt. Not even your critics. Step two is to read God's word. John 8, 32 says, if you continue in my word you are truly my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free Hebrews 4:12 for the word of god is living and active sharper than any double edged sword it pierces even dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart The belt of truth is one of our weapons against the enemy and Satan is the father of lies And he uses these lies to hold us in bondage. When you read God's word, your discernment is going to be sharpened, your judgment. When situations come up instantly in your spirit, you're going to go, nope, that's not right. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, Satan masquerades or disguises himself as an angel of light. He is a great imitator. But in order to spot a fake, you have to know exactly what the real thing looks like. Step three is deliverance. As Doug mentioned, it's my favorite topic. I'm not going to spend as much time as I would like on this, but uh, Christians can be oppressed by demons. It's a fact. In our deliverance ministry, I never have an unbeliever come to me and say, I want freedom from demons. It's always believers. And these are believers that love the Lord. It is not lukewarm Christians. It is Christians that want a relationship with God. But there's something that holds them back. The gospel mentions several stories where Jesus casts out demons from people, even children. Uh, Our ministry here at the Vineyard, we have seen extremely tormented people come in. I have seen someone come in with a spirit of death on them, gray. I've never seen anything like it before. And they leave joyful, color back in their face, praising God. It is amazing to see the transformation that takes place when lies are replaced with truth and curses are broken off of people. We don't counsel demons out of people. They're commanded out. If you're interested in this more, you can contact me. My email is up there. It's allglorytogod61 at gmail.com. Step four is forgiveness, and this is one that I'm going to talk about quite a bit because Jesus takes it very seriously. Um, We always know, like, oh, I'm forgiven, right? I'm forgiven. But we have to also forgive. Matthew 6.15 says, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Pretty clear to me. Um, Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So I'm going to read uh, Matthew 18, 21, and talks about the unforgiving servant. It's kind of long, but it uh, describes exactly God's view on forgiveness. So Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times. And I think he was thinking he was being all generous and religious. And like (laughs) uh, Jesus said, no, not just seven times, but 77 times. Because of this, the kingdom is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlements, a debtor was brought to him owing 10,000 talents, which this is a, a cost, it's probably in the millions of dollars, it's a debt that could not be repaid. But since the man was unable to pay, the master ordered that he be sold to pay his debt, along with his wife and children and everything he owned. Then the servant fell on his knees before him, and he said, Have patience with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. His master had compassion on him, forgave his debt, and released him. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is a small debt. It may take a hundred days to pay off. But he grabbed him, and he began to choke him and said, "'Pay me back what you owe me.' So his fellow servant fell down and begged him, "'Have patience with me, and I will pay you back.' But he refused. Instead, he went and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and recounted all of this to their master." Then the master summoned him and declared, You wicked servant, I forgave all of your debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should repay all that he owed. That is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So harboring unforgiveness brings torment on you, not the other person. It may not seem fair, but it also wasn't fair that Jesus paid our debt. And you've heard the saying, unforgiveness is like drinking poison waiting for the other person to die. Uh, We think that if we forgive someone, then somehow they're off the hook for what they did to us. But they still have to answer to God. When people hurt us, we feel that they owe us something, right? They owe us an apology. They owe us restitution, like payment. Uh, Maybe we want justice, and uh, that could be through the judicial system. But I don't hear a lot of stories where this happens. The people that come and talk to us, they never get that apology. So we have to be able to release that debt that they owe us, Into God's hand and let Him deal with that. And on the other hand, we may be the ones that need to ask someone else for forgiveness or apologize to someone else. I do feel like many Christians will give about 90% of their sins to God, but then they keep about 10% because they think what I've done is too bad. I can't be forgiven. That's a lie from the enemy. He uses that for shame, condemnation. We can't. That's something that we have to release that debt into God's hands by repenting and asking God for forgiveness. There's a story that uh, it's about forgiveness that I find truly amazing. Uh, Matthew West wrote a story about it called Forgiveness, and he made a video about the song. And so I want to play that for you.
0: We're going to let her tell the story. She won't know you're here. Are
2: you comfortable with hiding? I'm in another room, waiting to go in there and surprise Renee. I can see her on the videos. She has no idea I'm in
1: the room right next to her. 100%. 100%. So never could make the connection Never with could. Never could. Never seen.
2: After Renee lost her daughter, she said she found herself in the darkest place she'd ever been. The guy Eric was behind bars, but she said she felt like a prisoner. Why? Because she had all this bitterness and hatred built up towards that young man who stole a life her daughter. Slowly but surely, God began to work and he brought Renee out of that dark place. I knew that was my moment. He was sitting right there. That I had to to look him in the eyes and I had to say, I forgive you. At that moment, it was like the healing began.
1: Today, a mother who lost her daughter eight years ago to a drunk driver and the man behind the wheel of that vehicle joined together to speak to local students.
0: When they give me a hug and, and they share their stories with me. It just lets me know that they can relate to me and that they understand that you don't have to be a bad person, you just have to make a bad choice. Now here's where the story comes full circle. We went on tour this fall, with
2: the Into the Light Tour. We played Forgiveness every night, and Renee was a special guest at many of the shows. She shared her story with the audience in person. We did four shows in Florida, the state where Eric is currently in prison. And I was blown away when the Department of Corrections agreed to allow Eric to attend all four of those concerts. I'll
0: tell you what, if you ever wondered
2: what forgiveness looks like, what redemption looks like, what a miracle looks like, what healing looks like, what victory looks like, what freedom looks like, I can think of no better picture than what you seeing Renee and 11 of her family members each took turns standing before a judge and speaking on Eric's behalf. They asked the judge to cut his sentence in half so that he could start a second chance at life. The judge had never made this decision before, but after hearing Renee and everyone speak on his behalf, he agreed to cut Eric's sentence in half. And before the end of 2012, Eric will be a free man. In more ways than one. Forgiveness. It changed it all around. It it let an inmate out. And as the song said. It set a prisoner free. And I might only be free for tonight. And I might have to go back to a prison. But I've been one of the most free prisoners. In the world. I hope this song forgiveness. And the powerful story that inspired it. Has challenged you. Maybe even forced you to ask yourself. some, Some questions. And when you think about it, there's some pretty life-defining questions, and they all revolve around that one word, forgiveness. Have I understood that I'm broken, I'm flawed, I'm imperfect, that I'm a prisoner, and that I need to embrace the forgiveness God offers to me? Do I really get it? Have I let it wash over me? That God sent His only Son to die on a cross for me, so that I don't have to wear the See, we all have that opportunity to experience the freedom that Eric has, to experience the joy and the victory and the healing that Renee has. We can be prisoners set free, and all we have to do is say, yes, God, I need you. I need your forgiveness in my life, and I accept it right here and right now. I pray that you won't let another second go by in your life without discovering the freedom that's found and the power of one word,
1: It's a pretty powerful story. Uh, So just as that mother stood before a judge and asked him to reduce the sentence, Jesus stood before the judge and said, I'll take all of their debt, release them. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to have them play forgiveness, the song. But if there is somebody that you need to forgive, this is a perfect time to do that. If God's like pulling on your heart going, come on, I've asked you for years, it's time to let it go. This is it. If you want to dedicate your life to the Lord, this is a great time for that. Or rededicate your life. If you want someone to pray with you for your freedom... Uh, We can do that today, but we can also set up a time for when we can do that one-on-one. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll listen to the song. Lord, your will is not for any of us to live in bondage, shackled, chained by the enemy. Your will is for freedom. You came to set the captives free. Lord, I ask that no one leaves this place shackled, that every heart that has been broken, that you would bind it up, you would heal the hearts, Lord. Don't let anyone leave this place depressed, believing lies of the enemy. Lord, show each one of us our identity in you. Show us the plans that you have set out before us and close all those doors that the enemy has opened in our lives. So we just ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you want to stand, feel free to do that. You can sing. If you want prayer, come on up and we'll pray for you. So I hope that somebody here is inspired today. I hope that you don't go one more day believing the lies of the enemy, being shackled, oppressed. That is not the will of God for you.
0: We we just want to extend this. You know, um, don't take off yet. There's that was excellent, Rebecca. Yes. Excellent. Todd, do you hire?